Hey guys, welcome to Home Church Scotland. I'm Pastor Dave and welcome to our weekly podcast. Guys, if you're encouraged by what you hear today, why not check out our social medias? Just search for Home Church Scotland. Or why not subscribe to our YouTube channel where all of our services are live and in full for you to enjoy at your listening pleasure. It's good to see if you're a visitor today. It's really great to have you. Brilliant. I know there's there's a a number of folk away on holiday, including like all of our leadership except me, Ellen Becker. So I hope they're all watching online. Hi uh, for all those that are away. Uh, So... I was, due to, I was due to continue my journey through the Gospel of Mark today, um, and I sat down to do it, uh, like pull a message together, and uh, really strongly felt God say to me I was to go back and uh, cover something that I covered a long time ago. Like I, I hate to say it, it was Mark chapter 4, right, and it was two and a half years ago, that's how long we've been, right? <laughs> it, uh, it was May of 2021, and very few of you were probably in the church at that point in time. Um, I was in a prayer meeting uh, a week past on Thursday with a bunch of pastors and felt God put in my heart. I wrote it in my phone so I didn't forget that I have to speak in the parable of the sower. So I was like, I'm going to, okay. Like I thought, I'll lock that away and at some point I'm going to do that. And then as I was preparing the message today, I, I just felt again, I felt like literally God was like, stop, you have to preach in the parable of the sower. I was like, but I've preached on it before. But uh, then, then, so I looked back and saw that it was like two and a half years ago, coming out of COVID, I thought, yeah, man, probably half of them have heard it. And if most of them that were there probably forgot anyway what I said. And so anyway, I, was, I really believe God's told me to speak on it. So I don't even fully know what I'm going to say on it but I'm going to speak on it. So I'm in Mark chapter four. I'm going to be reading from verse one. And I just really, like God's inspired me really. And I know this verse and I love this verse and I try and and put it into practice, this passage of scripture, but God's still speaking to me. And the wonderful thing about coming to scripture is God uses the same scriptures to speak to his different things and teach his different things all the time. So I believe he's he's got something for us today and I just pray that it encourages us. So Mark chapter four, It says again, he began to teach beside the sea and a very large crowd gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat on the sea and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land and he was teaching many things in parables and in his teaching he said to them, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun arose, it was scorched and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and choked it and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold, 60-fold and 100-fold. And he said, who has ears to hear, let him hear. When he was alone, those around him with the 12 asked him about the parables. And he said, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables so that they may indeed see, but not perceive. And may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. 
And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the words, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown, when they hear, Satan immediately comes in and takes away the word that is sown into them. And these are the ones sown in rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately they receive it with joy, and they have no root in themselves but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown in good soil are the ones who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit thirtyfold, sixtyfold, and a hundredfold. So again, I know we've heard this before. Probably, I mean, if you maybe one or two in the place who haven't, but if, if you've been in church any length of time, particularly if you've been through Sunday school, you've heard this uh, passage of scripture spoken about. But Jesus says something right to the start that kind of en encourages me in terms of thinking, why am, I, why am I feeling I'm supposed to speak this again? So the, the picture is this, right? Jesus is sitting on a boat beside the lake preaching uh, with, like, with, with like hundreds and, or thousands of people in front of him. This part in Jerusalem I've never been. It's like, uh, it's meant to be just this big, like normal, like natural amphitheater. Like you speak, I, you've been there, right? You speak and it's like the voice booms everywhere, right? Just to give you a picture. So like, you're literally today able to stand in this place apparently and speak and your voice just carries for, for miles. So there's hundreds, thousands of folks sitting listening to what Jesus is saying. We know uh, from previous in the book of Mark that actually there's so many people about Jesus and listening to Jesus that it's actually quite dangerous for them. There's so many people that there's a little bit of fear of him being crushed and stuff. That's why he's in the boat. That's why there's so many people there, right? So there's all these folk Hundreds of them, thousands of them, desperate to hear from Jesus, and Jesus is teaching them. So it's really, really weird, isn't it, that Jesus would start by saying, "Listen," because they're there, they're literally there to hear what Jesus has to say, and he says, "Listen," and that encourages me, because I know we've maybe heard this before, but how true is it that sometimes we hear something but we didn't listen? Are you with me? And I'm not trying to be disrespectful. Anyone who's ever had a child, I'm not going to th throw mine under the bus today. But let's just say I had a, let's just say you've got a kid called Jimmy, right? And so you shout, like, up the stairs or into the bedroom, Oh, Jimmy! Aye! Go and tidy your room! Okay! And then, like, a couple of hours later, you go up the stairs to see Jimmy, and you walk in, and it's carnage. You're like, I thought I told you to tidy your room. Did you? Is that, ever, is that just me? Is that a few parents are like, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Ella's thinking to herself, why are you talking about the kids, Dave? You do that all the time. <laughs> you know what I mean? So <laughs> Ella does, like, I'll be sitting working in something and, 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 and David! Ella gets to call me David, nobody else does. Uh, I'm Dave, if you don't know me, by the way, but Ella calls me David. David, hi, I'm working. Go and whatever it is, do this or whatever it is. 
Empty the bin, that's a big one, Mary, right? David, thanks for that. Has Ella been warning about me to you? That's <laughs> no right, that, right? David, can you take the bin out? Yeah. Then she'll come in, and the bin's been taken by the bin people, bin persons, and the bin's still in the bin. David! Right, she doesn't shout, she's really nice. David, I told you to take the bin. Did you? Like, we literally had a conversation about it. Did we? Is that, is that him to anybody else? Right, let's be, because we can hear things, but we don't listen to them. And I actually think that in some ways, the, the, the reason the church and our nation has become so weak uh, you know, and I don't mean that disrespectfully, but ultimately the church in our nation is weak. It's because people have stopped listening to the word of God. We're, we're, we're hearing stuff, but we're not applying it. We're hearing stuff, but we're not, we're not listening to it. Actually, like taking things in and receiving things and accepting things and applying things that are, that are given to us from the word of scripture on a Sunday morning or, or you know, that are preached to us, taking things in has, has not become the purpose of a lot of churches anymore and a lot of preaching anymore. What's become the purpose of preaching in churches entertainment and an enjoyable time and like the worship experience is like that is language that you, that you hear. So it's like, I mean, you can ask the youth, I challenge them sometimes, they'll come back from a youth event and they'll go, oh, it was great, the preacher was brilliant. I'll go, what did they say? No offence, right? You all, you all know you've done it sometimes, right? Oh, oh, I don't know. Well, so why was it good? Well, because we laughed. Because they shouted a wee bit. Because they, you know, he was good at putting something across. But what did they put across? I don't know. It happens. And I kind of challenge people sometimes. It's really hard as a preacher, right? Because actually, like, I, I want to get better at this and I want to understand how to speak better and how to speak better. That's probably not good English, right? <laughs> probably. Like, I want to do a little bit better, right? But like, when you preach and then people, people just always like, that was really good, that was really good, that was really good. And it was like, I wish somebody would tell me like, actually how to be better and how to correct stuff and that. But sometimes, so be careful. Sometimes I challenge people. That was really good, did they, Dave? What did I say then? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, what did I say? I don't do it all the time, but I do it sometimes because it's like the purpose of speaking is so that we listen and so that we take it and so that we apply it. And actually, as, as, as we'll cover, see if we applied this passage, this church would be rammed. If, like the church in our nation would not be weak. There would not be churches closing down if we applied this passage of scripture. It's like, We'd be busting at the seams and not just home church, every church would be busting at the seams if we applied this passage of scripture. And I'll try and explain why. So Jesus saying right at the start, listen, this is a really important message. And if it was an important message to the people back then, it's an important message for us at home church today. So I want us to listen. I want us to take it in. I want us to be challenged. Father God, I just pray that you would challenge us. Please God, challenge us. Please God, help this to land. Please help us to like understand how to put this into practice in our lives and in our church. Help us with that, God. Amen. If we really grasp this, guys, if we really grasp it, there's a message God's got for us today. Something is going to happen. I believe that. 
It says, Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell in the path. And then it goes on to tell us what happened with the seed. But other, some other versions of the passage says, A sower went out and scattered seeds. So sowing back in that day, they didn't have tractors or any of the stuff that we've got today. It was literally chuck enough stuff and see where it goes, right? So they'd have like a bag of seed and they're just walking or chucking stuff everywhere, like taking a big massive handful of stuff and casting it as far as they can go and casting it as far as they can go. Like we can think of planting seeds as like having a little plant pot and putting a little seed in a plant pot and I've planted my seed. That's not how we're called to sow seed. We're not called to just a wee careful trough and is it troughs? What do you call them? Aye? I don't know. Nobody knows. <laughs> careful. <laughs> Phil knows he studied agriculture. What's it called? A furrow, thanks, mate. Right, a furrow. Right, right. A furrow. One, one seed at a time. So I actually know what we're called to do. We're called to be like, come on, bang. We're called like scattering seed everywhere. Everywhere. And some of us going to land right and some of us not going to land right. And you know the brilliant thing is, right? Jesus has got all these people sitting in front of him, hundreds of people, thousands of people sitting in front of him. And basically, Jesus is saying like, some people's going to listen and some people's not going to listen. But what we do as Christians is, right? We've maybe once upon a time, we've shared the gospel with someone and they've rejected it. And so we've went, oh, I'm not good at that. I can't do that. And we stopped doing it. But if people are going to reject when Jesus preaches, my goodness me, they're going to reject when we preach. But our job is not to be put off. Our job is not to go, oh, like I'm rubbish at this. I can't do this anymore and, and like stop doing it. We're supposed to understand some folks are going to accept it and some folks not. But like we're evidently, in my opinion, and I think in the Bible's opinion, as Christians in our nation, we're sown too sparingly, if we're sown at all. Are you with me? And I'm not saying that to have a go at MD. I'm saying it to have a go at everybody. No, I'm not, I'm not right. <laughs> no, I'm not. But I'm just like, I want us to get it. Like, you know, just imagine the picture of the guy scattering the seed and scattering the seed. And we as churches, we've stopped scattering seeds. We've just stopped doing it. It's like our, uh, our new and clever way of getting people uh, converted or, or, or in church is to put on an event inside our four walls and put a poster up saying that there's an event on and hoping that people will come and scratch in their head going, we've been doing all these events and nobody's coming, why is nobody coming? And we're wondering why our churches aren't growing. There's these churches that do gospel meetings every Sunday night at half past six for the same four people that have been going for 20 years and they've not thought to themselves, oh, it's not working. I'm preaching the gospel to my wife and my brother and his wife and my two children and that's, and how come nobody's coming to church? I'm not, and I'm not trying to be nasty. I'm, I'm just trying to be like, come on, man. Like, we not do better than that? And we, well, why, why are our churches closed? Because we're preaching to the same group of people every single Sunday. The people come into our church and we speak to them and it doesn't ever go any further because seed's not getting scattered anymore. We're like, come in, come in, come in. But we're meant to be out there going like that. Like, Scat everyone, everyone, schools, colleges, what everyone here, here, here. Here's some good news. Here's some good news. Here's some good news. And some folk are going to take it, and some folk aren't going to take it. And the brilliant thing is, praise God, it's not our responsibility whether they take it or not. That would be a crazy amount of pressure to be on anybody, wouldn't it? 
Somebody's salvation depends on how, how eloquent I am at putting the gospel across. If that was the case, I'd have led nobody to Jesus. But thankfully, that's not how it works. Our job is to share, and the Holy Spirit's job is to convict and bring people to, to salvation, to convict, to convict people of their sins. That's not up to me, praise God. I'm glad it's not up to me, but God can do it. But we, I don't know why he gives us a part to play. I don't, but he does. But our job's to play the part and get scattered in the seed. And like, and I know we're not doing it. And I'll get to why I know we're not doing it a little bit later on. So he shares the parable. And then he says this in verse 10. When he was alone, those around him with the 12 asked him about the parables and said to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables so that they may indeed see but not perceive and may indeed hear but not understand lest they should turn and be forgiven. Now that was quite a difficult wee bit to understand when I read it for the first time. You're like, is, is, is Jesus actually saying, he's saying things in parables so that people don't understand, so that they won't turn and be forgiven. That doesn't really make a, a whole lot of sense to me. But actually it's why it's so important that we understand the context of the Bible and where things come from. Jesus is actually, that's why it's in quotation marks, quoting something that came directly from Isaiah 6. And the context of Isaiah 6 is God is saying to the prophet Isaiah, you have to keep preaching the truth even when everyone else is rejecting it. So nobody was listening. They felt there's no point in speaking because nobody's listening. And God's saying to the prophet Isaiah, even if people aren't listening, you just need to keep speaking. You just need to keep speaking the truth whether people are listening or not. So again, like, here's a skit for us. We're going to, if we're going to scatter seeds, we're going to share the gospel with folk. We're going to speak to folk. No, everyone's going to listen to us. Certainly not everyone's going to understand us. But we've still, we've still to do our part. We've still to play our part. We've still to preach the gospel. Also, another element of it is Jesus uses these parables because, you know, a lot of people were twisting his words at the time. And, you know, we've all been there where we say something and somebody says, you know, you said that, but you never actually said that. You said something else. Like, this was happening, this was happening to Jesus at the time. So he uses parables as well, just a clever way of communicating with people. I love it, but he says, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? That's because actually all the parables are linked in some way and the kind of storytelling and stuff is very similar. But actually, I'm not going to go into that today because I just want to get to the like, what I feel the challenge is on. Um, it says, right, so Jesus goes on to explain the parable. Here's what he says. The sower sows the word. These are the ones along the path where the word is sown. And when they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown to them so the sowers are, are us we, we are the sowers in the parable we are sowing the word of God the word of God being the seeds we're sowing the word of God and as soon as it lands the birds come the birds represent Satan and the birds take away the word that was sown before it can take any sort of a root at all and that's just what that's like what happens that's that's what Satan does there's nothing that we can do about it we're, we're, we're kind of uh, you know I wish it were different. But Satan walks about, he's got the same tricks. Saying to folk, are you sure that's true? Are you sure Jesus is real? Are you sure Jesus said that? You can't be forgiven. Your life can't change. You're never going to succeed. You're never going to be anybody. Satan's just an accuser. He uses the same tricks all the time. Like, you ain't good enough. You're never going to make it. That message isn't for you. 
Aye, everyone else can get saved, but you can't. Everyone else can be forgiven, but you can't. You'll never get rid of your guilt. You'll never get rid of your shame. And Satan's just doing things to take away the seed. And so people hear it, but like, they're just not, they're just not pulling through at, at any stage. And it's, and, it's, and it's devastating, right? It's devastating. But it's biblical. We know it's going to happen. So like, at, at least that gives us like sort of some comfort if you know what I mean like it's it's not it's not it's not it's not my inability to preach the gospel that why my brother's not saved for example it's just that it's there's this barrier I believe he will be by the way but he's not yet and it's and it hurts me man but Satan's immediately Satan's trying to take away the word that's sown into people all the time that's what he does that's his job and then it goes on it says there are there are ones that are sown on rocky ground the ones where they hear the word immediately receive it with joy but they have no root in themselves but endure for a while then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word immediately they fall away now i see this one happening so so often in our churches today and i think in a lot of ways like we don't help ourselves because we we do unfortunately live in a world now of the sugar-coated gospel experience where we'll tell you some of the truth, but we're not telling you all of the truth because some of it's quite hard to take. So I'm going to tell you the stuff that you want to hear, but I'm not going to tell you the other stuff, right? So, like, that's where we get these prosperity preachers from. If you follow Jesus, you're going to be rich. You have all the money you're ever going to need. You're never, ever going to be ill because if you get ill, all you have to do is, like, have someone lay their hand on your head and shout, BAM! And then you'll be healed. That's how it works. Do you know what I mean? And, and so, you're not, so you're not going to have any trouble and you're, everything's going to work out great. Like being a, being a, you hear it, joy, 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 joy. And love, 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 love. And that, that's like, that's all you hear. Now listen, man, being a Christian's crazy joyful, right? I'm a little bit full of joy at times, right? Most of the time, being a Christian like, is like the love of Jesus and that is absolutely brilliant, right? But it's not always like that. Right, it says, like, so immediately you receive it with joy, but you've got no root. You endure for a while, then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the words you fall away. See, the, we are in an absolute battle for people's souls and people's salvation. There's good, there's evil, there's God, there's Satan, there's heaven, there's hell, right? And God is using us to try and teach people the way of salvation so we can be taking people to heaven with us but Satan is trying to distort people to take folks to hell right and the truth is whether you're a Christian or not you're going to go through some hardships and some trouble actually the truth is if you're a Christian you're going to go through more trouble than the people who aren't Christians that's the truth I'll tell you why right it's really really simple see when we think about think about ourselves and this and there's this battle going on for our souls, good against evil, right? That's that's the truth. That's that's how that's the truth. So have you ever thought to yourself? I mean you can be honest because I have, right? You ever thought, how come the non-Christian has it easier than me? Is that has that ever wound anybody up? Like I'm trying to run my business like a Christian and I'm trying to honor God and and it's a struggle, but then that guy over there's like not a Christian like so just not a nice person and yet they're flourishing and I'm like I've struggled with that at times right I have I'm just telling you the truth 
But then when you think about it in terms of this battle for your soul, right? See, see if you're going merrily down the highway to hell, right? Satan's not going to bother with you. He's, you're going to be left alone, like you're walking and they're walking in the direction he wants you to go in. So like, on you go, pal. Like, so in, fact, in fact, I'm going to make your life easier. So you keep walking down that road because that's where I want you to go. But when we become a Christian, you, you actually can become a target. Happened to Jesus. Jesus get, well, Jesus didn't become a Christian, but Jesus got baptized and then he was attacked by Satan, tempted by Satan for 40 days. Is it harm to Jesus? It's going to harm to me. It's going to harm to you. So we become a Christian. All of a sudden, we've got this target. All of a sudden, like the battle for our soul ramps up because Satan's trying to take away those seeds that were sown or trying some of these other things that will come in a minute. And so trial and tribulation and difficult things come against us on account of the word because we've believed the word. Now all of a sudden, difficult things are starting to happen. But because we've preached and we've not told folk that difficult things are going to happen, they're like, all of a sudden, I get told this was going to be like joy and happiness and 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 oh, I'm being attacked and like well so what's going on I don't understand this like this is going wrong that's going wrong that and they're like I'm not up for this I'm out because we're not because we're not teaching the truth being a Christian and sometimes it's harder than not being a Christian we're all going to go through stuff the Christian is going to go through more it's just a, it just is but here's the thing right I'm okay with that Actually, you might think I'm a wee bit demented, but I love that. You might think I'm a bit nuts. Like, I mean, it's no secret. We've been going through a hard time recently, and I blooming love it, right? I love it because it means Satan's scared, right? And it's like, so I'm cool with it. See, the thing I love most about being a Christian, and I love it, right? I love the times. I love corporate worship. I love, I love being in church and just like worshiping Jesus along with, along with you guys. You know, I mean, that's brilliant, isn't it? I mean, it is, it's great. I, lo I, I love it. I, I, love being, I love being challenged. Like, I love, I love the joy. I love the happy. I, I, like, I love it. 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 Did I tell you that I loved it? Sorry. <laughs> Do you know what I love even more? Do you know what I love even more? Is when I'm in a battle, when I'm in the pit, when I'm in the valley, when I'm struggling with every attack under the sun, when life is hard, when things are going all against me, when I'm going through a situation that should be like, I should be giving up, it should be messing with my head, I should be in pills for this depression and that depression and everything else that's going, and yet I'm all right because I've got Jesus. That's, that, I love that. The Bible talks about a peace that passes all understanding. When I'm in a situation where I should just not be peaceful, but somehow I am, that's what being a Christian is. I love that. I'll, I'll take that any day of the week over to joy, 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 happy all the time. Because that's like, it's like, because everyone's able to be happy when things are joyful. Not everyone's able to have a peace that passes all understanding when they're being kicked in the face day after day after day and life is tough. That's what being a Christian is. So I'll actually, I'll take the valleys because it's in the valleys that I understand God's faithfulness. It's in the valleys that I go, I should not be okay, but I am okay. And the only explanation for the fact that I am okay is Jesus. So I'll take that every day of the week. I'll take it. So trials and tribulations come, but we're going to have a foundation and our foundation is Jesus and we're understanding and we're forewarned that things are going to go bad. But when it, things go bad, we are not going to freak out as a church because we know we've got Jesus. Are you with me? We're not going to freak out. 
as individuals. These people immediately receive it with joy, but they've got no root. And that's why as well we talk about you, you know, we, we're really blessed in this church to see people make decisions for Jesus regularly. But you'll notice we, we, we never say, like three folk got saved last week. We'll always say three folk made decisions for Jesus because doing that doesn't mean you're saved. Hearing, like hearing a message and going like, yeah, like I want that. You've made the decision like you want to do something, but being saved means turning from your sin and living a different life and following Jesus, not just going, ah, yeah, like, uh, you know what I mean? So it does my head in and when people get that wrong, we want people saved, but like sticking a hand up doesn't do that. Following Jesus and re re repenting from sin does that. Anyway, we're supposed to have roots, deep roots that go down that when the storm comes, like we're not being shaken. That was a storm we had this week, wasn't it? I had a tree fall on my trampoline and, and a tree block my way out my street with my... Anyway, that was a storm and a half. Right, where am I at? Say that again? Cotton Tullock, thanks. Right. Others. Right, so we've got seeds that's on the path and Satan comes and immediately takes away what's been sown. We've got people that receive the word Immediately, but they've got no root. So when trial or persecution or tribulation comes, they're, they're, they're falling away. And that happens a lot, doesn't it? My, my brother's made the decision for Jesus three times. But it never lasts any more than a week. You know, I remember once it lasted a week and I thought, maybe this is it, maybe this is it, but it's not, nah. And it's, it breaks my heart, man, but it's like, Jesus says it's going to happen. It says, other ones are sown among thorns. These are those who hear the word but the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word and it proves unfruitful. So I've received Jesus, I've received the word, I wanna follow Jesus, I wanna go with Jesus, but the world literally chokes it. Like you're not allowed, man, you're not allowed to follow Jesus. Like life's gonna choke it out of you. It says cares of the world, the Greek word that's used, it means anxieties. So the anxieties of the world are going to choke the truth out of us, are going to choke our life out of us. That's quite scary. And we've all got, you know, we've all got different anxieties. Might be financial, might be, might be your family, might be your health, might be different things, but it's really, really as simple as we've got two options when we've got anxieties, we've got two options when things are tough. We can either look at our problems or we can look at the problem solver. It's as simple as that. But too many of us look at the problems. Too many of us dwell on our problems. I've said this before, too many of us like, we'll go and, we'll go and ask for help and advice from everybody before we remember we're a Christian and go to God. See, sometimes if we just remembered we were a Christian when something went wrong and we're like, oh yeah, that's right, I'm a Christian. I can actually speak to Jesus. I can actually ask him for help. I can actually go and say, Jesus, will you help me? And guess what? When we do, Jesus will come and help us. And it changes the whole entire situation. But we don't because the cares of the world take over and we're just so concerned about how we're going to feed our family and how we're, am I going to get that promotion at work? Am I going to this? Am I going to that? And we get all upset about nothing. And before we know it, we're so concerned about everything else. We've got no time to be concerned about Jesus. No time to read our Bible. The cares of the world take over and it chokes the life out of us. It says that um, the deceitfulness of riches will choke the word out of us. And, and you hear that, right? The deceitfulness of riches. And it's dead easy to think that's for like the mega rich people that are chasing the big dollar. And for those of you that know my testimony, you'll know for 10 years I had this uh, 
I had this plan to be a millionaire and I made it and lost it and made it and lost it. And like my life was a mess and I put my family through a nightmare just trying to chase money, trying to chase money. And it's easy to hear this thing, deceitfulness of riches and go, that's just for guys like Dave who were like trying to become millionaires or who were like so consumed with money. But actually it's not. It's for, it's, it, it's for any of us that are like trusting in ourselves for our financial security and not in Jesus. How many people are struggling in their faith, do you think? Because they've not been to church in six weeks because they're working too hard to be at church. How many people do you think are struggling with their faith because they can't get to a Bible study because they're doing overtime every week? How many people do you think that is? I used to be, before I started my business, I used to do kind of three jobs. I was working Monday to Friday, selling taxis over the phone. I know how on earth do you sell taxis over the phone, right? But I did, I phoned folk and said, do you want to buy a taxi? And they said, aye, it was weird, right? And so, anyway, I daring at the time, I was 20 years old, we just did daring. And I'm, I was making 12,000 a year, plus commission. And it's really hard to like raise a family in 12,000 pound a year, right? It is. This is the excuses we can make as Christians, isn't it? So I got offered an extra 3,000 a year if I worked six days a week instead of five days a week. Some was Sundays, some was Saturdays. So I was like, yeah, I need the extra 3,000. So I did it. And then on a Thursday night and a Friday night and a Saturday night, I delivered Chinese food until one o'clock in the morning. So that gave me a bit more money. And then on a Friday night and a Saturday night, eh, at one o'clock in the morning, when I finished my Chinese delivery, I would get my guitar and go into Socky Hall Street in Glasgow and sing Wonderwall, right? Because when you sing Wonderwall and people are drunk, they give you money. It's weird, right? It's just weird. I'm just, I'm just telling you that's how it works, right? I'm a Wonderwall. There's a tenor, mate. It was, that's just, that was life, right? That's how it went. And so, anyway, I'm doing these things with not, not with a bad heart, right? I'm doing it to look after my wife and look after my son and, and like all of that stuff. But it won't surprise you to find out that that's the only time in my entire life that I was not a consistent churchgoer. Because I was too blooming tired to go. <laughs> I, was, I was knackered. I was wiped out. I was out singing till four in the morning. And so, and you know what, man? You know, public repentance and that. I, probably, I made excuses up like I couldn't find a decent church in my new house. And, but, you know, partially true, but partially I was just too tired. And there's a whole lot of Christians that are working every single hour under the sun. So they're just too tired to get stuck into God and stuck into church. There's, there, there are too many Christians who they'll go months at a time and they don't meet with their church family. Why? Because they're working on Sundays because they're too busy. I just don't think it's worth it, man. I think it's the deceitfulness of riches. I think it's like us, but like, I need to take that because I need the money. Guys, there is nothing in this life you need more than a relationship with Jesus. Not money and not nothing else. Jesus is way more important than, than, than any amount of money. And it's Jesus who provides for us anyway. So I don't know why we take it on ourselves so much, going, I need to provide, I need to provide, I need to. when actually if we just trust God, he always provides. God's never not provided for me. Never, ever. And it's not going to happen. We need to trust in God. We need to do what the Bible says and not neglect meeting together as a habit of some. That's what the Bible says. And we neglect meeting together for money because we've got this like deceitfulness of riches. The, the deceitfulness, if you've got money, you'll be okay. That's the deceit. If you've got money, you'll be happy. If you've got money, you'll be okay. That's deceit. Because actually I found it doesn't matter how much I've got, I'm no happy and I'm not comfortable anyway. Right? That's how it works. The only thing that will make you happy and fulfill you is Jesus. The only thing that will provide and give you security is Jesus. So don't let deceit 
come in and, 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 you know, some of us maybe need to get some priorities together. I certainly did at one point in my life. And it says the desires for other things enter in and choke the word out. How many of us want things that the Bible tells us we shouldn't be desiring? I was talking to the, the youth that the lock in last week about relationships. The Bible tells us, didn't it? Not to be unequally yoked, like a Christian should not be in a relationship with someone who's not a believer. But yet so often we just want the relationship so bad that we compromise on it. And we pull out these excuses. Oh, well, I know somebody who started dating someone and then the person became a Christian. And so like it all worked out okay in the end. And all right, once, you know, God's gracious and sometimes you might be able to give me some examples of that. But every, for every example of that, I'll give you a hundred more examples of when someone who was a Christian got together with someone who was not a Christian and ended up messing up, ended up losing their salvation, ended up in a divorce, ended up in a situation you wouldn't want to end. Why? Because they compromised and started going with someone who wasn't a Christian in the hope that they would get converted. Nine out of ten times. Right? This is how it works, right? Like laws of physics, man. I'm not a physicist. I'm, I'm probably going off on a tangent, right? But I guarantee you, if even right, right, Rhiannon's a lot smaller than me, right? But if she had a rope and she was lying on the floor and her job was to pull me down to the floor from here and my job was to pull her up onto the platform, who do you think would win? I wouldn't win. Because she, she's got a better vantage point. Do you know what I'm saying? I have no hope of pulling her up. She's going to pull me down unless I'm like ridiculously strong because... Pulling someone down is an awful lot easier than pulling someone up. It works the same spiritually. Pulling someone down is an awful lot easier than pulling someone up. If we get into relationships with the wrong people, we're going to be pulled down. We shouldn't be compromised. And that's just one example. There's 101 things that we can desire that we're not supposed to desire that can get in the way. Like we have desires for other things like football, music, money, relationships. Like there's, there's so many things can take our eyes off Jesus. And they're a waste of time. Our lives should work like this. Jesus is here. And everything else starts down there. And then you've got your priorities going after that. Too many of us have got things on an equal level with, with Jesus, following Jesus. Or, or actually far too many of us have got other priorities. And then Jesus. Too many of us fit time with God in around our lives. We're supposed to fit our life around time with God. But we get it wrong. And the Bible says, if we do that, the life will get choked out of us. I wonder if I'm speaking today, if anyone's feeling choked. I wonder if anyone's going like, that's totally me. I, I've cares, uh, cares of the world, deceitfulness of riches, desire for other things. Like, I wonder if anyone's feeling choked today. I've certainly been choked in the past. But it says this, right? That's some of the things that can happen. It happened then, and it will happen now. It says, but those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. I used to hear this parable. If you've ever been in Sunday school, you've heard this parable. I used to think to myself, I'm the good soil. Why? Because I'm the one that accepted Jesus. So like the seed falls in the other ground and they don't accept Jesus and I did accept Jesus, therefore I'm the good soil. But this passage isn't saying that you're the good soil when you accept Jesus. This passage is saying you're the good soil when you accept Jesus and then go on to produce fruit 30-fold, 60-fold and 100-fold. 
I want to be the type of guy who's a 30-fold, 60-fold, or 100-fold kind of guy. Right? And I want us to be a church that's a 30, 60-fold, or 100-fold kind of church. You, right? Let's, if we were a 30-fold kind of church, each of us were responsible for uh, bringing 30 people to Jesus, do you know how big this church would be? 6,000. 6,000. Do you know how big it would be if we were a 60-fold kind of church? 12,000. Do you know how big we would be? Seriously, right? If we were a 100-fold church? 20,000. 20,000. Do you know what a church of 20,000 would do to, to this nation? We could impact it. You could change it. You'd have some sort of Christian army, by the way, so you would. My goodness me, so you would. And why can it not happen? It partially can't happen because the minute we hear numbers like that, we're like, nah. But if the Bible says it can happen, how can it not happen? If the Bible says that good fruit is bearing 30, 60, or 100 fold, in order for us to go that can't happen, we also have to say, I don't want to be good fruit. Are you with me? I don't want to say that. MDLs, who wants to be good fruit? Who wants to be what the Bible classes as good fruit? So if we want to be good fruit, we are going to produce a harvest of 30, 60, or 100 times. So this church can easily be 6,000, 12,000, 20,000. All we need to do is put this into practice. So the reason that I know churches and Christians are not putting this into practice is because I fundamentally, passionately believe the Word of God. Anyone else? And the word of God is faithful. The word of God is true. And the word of God tells me that if I scatter seed out, if I scatter seed out, some people aren't going to believe. Some people are going to believe and, and fall away. Some folk are going to last a bit longer and get their life choked out of them. But some folk are going to go on to produce a harvest. And by the way, see my figures? I don't know if my figures scared you. Actually, I've just realized how nonsense my figures are, right? Those figures of 20,000 only works if we produce a hundredfold and then it stops at that. But actually the people, the, the good fruit that we bring in, they're supposed to produce a hundredfold as well. This is how revival stuff starts. We keep hearing about revival and we keep thinking it's impossible, but it's not impossible. It's only impossible because we're too scared to share the gospel in case someone rejects it. We're too scared to share the gospel because we tried it once upon a time and the person didn't come through. We're too scared to share it because, well, I led my friend to Jesus once and they were walking with God and they fell away. And now I'm so soul destroyed and so upset that I'm not going to tell anyone else about it. Like we make our excuses about not sharing the gospel with people. Whereas this, this passage is saying, look, man, tons of folk are going to reject it. Tons of folk aren't going to believe. But for every one of them who doesn't believe, there's going to be someone who does and they're going to be a 30, 60, and 100 fold. This stuff's how revival starts. By us just going, yee-haw. I'm scattering the seed everywhere. I'm telling everyone about Jesus. I'm not, you're not going to keep my mouth shut, pal. I don't care if you reject me. I don't care if you hate me. I don't care if you persecute me. I don't care if you think I'm a nut job. I'm a nut job. I'm sharing the gospel. I'm sharing the gospel. If we can just get it out. Can you imagine the type of church we'd have if we just grasped this stuff? Guys, a hundred people might reject it, but the one hundred and first person might go, I am going to, yeah, I'm going to take that. And the one hundred and first person might be the, the best evangelist that Scotland's ever seen. But we, like, you just don't know who you're going to 
lead to Jesus. Again, praise God, the responsibility on us is not to save people. The responsibility on us is simply to be scattered in seed like mad. And, and like, we're just not. I'm just so convicted of this. We're just not. Because if we were, we'd have that 30, 60, or 100 fold. I don't know, because the word of God is true and the word of God says that. And all we need to do, all we need to do to get this 30, 60, and 100 is to scatter seed. Scatter seed and keep doing it. So I really want this church to, I just want us to get crazy up for this, to be honest with you. I want us to get crazy passionate about this. I want us to go, like I said, who wants to be good fruit and every single one is like that, me. So like, what's to stop us then? Why can we not see a revival in our church? I think we can. MDLs? How, why not? God's going to bring revival. God's going to, God's going to save people. Why not, my, why not my brother? Why not your brother? Why not our work colleagues? Why not? I believe, I believe that church needs to have an influence at government level. Why not us? Why not? I, I tell you now, if you get a church of the size of 60-fold, 100-fold, we're going to have... Like, the, the possibilities are, are endless. The possibilities are, are ridiculous. Let's get the band back up. Um, I'm just so crazy passionate about this stuff, by the way. So crazy passionate. I'm going to make it really easy for you as well, right? On the 2nd of December, or 1st of December... The first Friday in December, I don't know what date it is, first Friday of December, there's a big carol service going on in the, in the Glasgow City Centre at Wellington Church where a bunch of us pastors have, have hired the hall because it can fit 1,500 people in it. And we've, we're bringing an evangelist up who's a who's very, very good uh, evangelist. We had J. John come up last year. We've got another evangelist coming up this year and he's going to share the gospel. And there's 1,500 tickets uh, available for it. And I've got a couple of hundred of them coming here next week for us. I want us to really think about who can we be inviting to, to that event. Like, like literally saying to folk, listen, I've got, I've got some tickets for a carol service. I'm going with whoever. Do you want to come with me? Ask God to put people on your heart. And you've got a double incentive to go because Becca's leading worship at it this year. So it's going to be a really, really cool event um, so it could be it could be transformative just invite someone just like ask God just now God put the people in my heart that I'm going to invite to that but I want to encourage this man you're capable of being this 30 fold 60 fold 100 fold you're capable because you don't need to do anything to be capable other than scattering seed scattering seed there's no skill set involved in scattering there's skill set involved in like planting and cultivating, but there's no skill set involved in scattering it. Just scattering, just telling everybody, this is who I was before I met Jesus. This is who I am after I met Jesus. This is where my life was at a year ago. This is where my life's at now. There's, you don't need any skill set to scatter seed. You just need to make a decision that you're going to do it. You just need a willingness that you're going to do it. And I just know that if we do, if we scatter seed, if we decide between now and Christmas, that we're going to scatter seed like never before. Wait to see the size of this place at Christmas time. And if we're sitting here at Christmas time and the church is the same size that it is now, guess all it means is like we've heard this word and we've not listened to it. 
And I know that sounds really brutal, right? I know that sounds really forward. And some of you might be thinking I'm out of order and some of you might be thinking I'm making you uncomfortable. But if the Bible says, if we scatter seed, we get that, then that's what I believe in. I just want it, man. Can you be with me in that church? Let's stand together. Thanks for listening to the Home Church Scotland podcast. If you have any questions about what you heard today, feel free to get in touch with me. My email is dave at homechurch.scot.com.